a prayer. Guys, welcome to Nathan K. Gingerbread Podcast. On the couch there, I've got Christopher Watkin. Hi, guys. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you on. Thank you so much for coming down. Thank you, Nathan. Today, we're sponsored by these guys here. So if you're an estate agent and want to save, save yourself thousands, go to here, estate-agents.net. Go register today and see how they can save you thousands. Chris. Hi, Nathan. Welcome. How's it going? Can't complain. Good stuff. Surviving. You have a good Christmas and New Year? It, what, yeah, do you know what? I'm glad it's over. I'm glad it's done. I'm glad to be back to, yeah, the, to the... Just normality. Five. Yeah, just get back into the swing of things. So, everyone knows you for interviewing all the agents on, on this earth. Yeah. Let's interview you. Let's find out how you started. How did your journey begin? What, interviewing or as an estate agent? Let's go back to 1993 when you became an estate agent. Okay, um, went to college, uh, charter surveyor, trained, got the qualifications. No jobs in surveying, so went to work for Halifax as an estate agent. Went up through the ranks, um, and then basically got my own branch in Melton Mowbray. Yes, I did eat all the pies. <laughs> uh, and then, um, ha so Halifax almost forever. Um, and then in 2009, when things went belly up with um, the credit crunch, the Halifax sold off their estate agency to LSL Your Move, uh, and I was made redundant. Uh, in a roundabout way, I ended up at Belvoir Lettings as their national sales manager selling the franchises. Wow. Uh, and my job was to sell the franchises. And I was there for three or four years, really enjoyed it. But what I noticed was is that um, the, my job was selling the franchise and I, don't, I can't sell anything that I don't believe in. And I think a lot of people feel that way. You yeah. know? And so I, I went out and found out which agencies were pulling trees up. Mm -hmm. And, and the growth at the time on average was about 5% a year. But these, some agents in the Belvoir network were growing at 20 or 30% a year. Wow. So, so I went and had a chat with them and found out what they were doing, what the secret source was. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I realised that all of them were doing something very similar, not what the head office had told them to do, but something in terms of their marketing. So I actually set, went back to the, cent, the head office and said, look, if we could just bottle this up, yeah. we, um, I could sell more franchises. So I need to prove concept that this works. So give me some offices to play with. Anyway, to shut me up. Yeah. The buggers told me to, um, they gave me some offices to play with. And a year later, we'd grown the lettings agencies by 20%. Wow. Organically. Incredible. So I said, come on, let me loose on this. And, and they said, no, your job is selling franchises. Uh, so six years ago, I, I decided, sod it. I'll, um, I'll, I'll go freelance with this way of growing a letting and estate agency. And that was six years ago. Yeah. Um, that's my story, really. What was agency like back then? Because most people watching this are going to be estate agents, right? Aren't or are? Are, are going to be estate agents. Or thinking about getting into agency. Back when you started, what was agency like? What, back in 93? Yeah. What, in before right move? Be well, God, before most things, I suppose, you know, pen and paper, you had okay. applicant cards. Okay, I think... Um, I think the biggest thing that what right, the advantage of Rightmove is that it helps the buyers find all the properties in one location. Before Rightmove, what we had to do as estate agents is that, is that people would actually come into the estate agent's office and put themselves on, um, you might have heard this phrase, the, the younger one might have not, anyway, I'm going to use a swear word, mailing list, okay? <laughs> and what you actually had to do, there was no computer programs, you would actually write the names and addresses and telephone numbers of the person concerned and what they were looking for, and you put it into, the, it's like an A5 card, and you put it into this Perspex box called a hot box, yeah. okay? And you put it into different, you know, how hot they were, and wait for this one. When a property came on the market, 
you actually had to ring people. <laughs> you use the phone. You okay. to use the phone. And then if they wanted a brochure, wait for this one. They, they just, in the old days, you used to have something called Royal Mail. Yeah. And you print this brochure off with sticky photographs on. You had to photocopy your own brochures and stick photos on and send it in the post. And I think the difference is, compared to today, is, is, that, is that I think most estate agents, uh, and I'm going to say 80% of estate agents, um, are, are lazy. Yeah. And, and what they've done is that they... Um, they, they believe that because no one's put themselves on the mailing list, that people put their houses on the market, they just whack it on right move and just wait for the, for the orders to come through. They're just like pizza order takers. So they don't need to have massive skills, do they, in terms of selling houses? I don't, I don't think our job is selling houses. Our job as estate agents is to find somebody to move from one chapter of their life to another. And I'm, I don't think you can sell, you know, it's quite hard to sell somebody something, but it's a damn sight easier to get them, make them buy. Mm. And I think we as estate agents have got lazy. And if we can get inside people's heads, find out what they're looking to buy, and then go out and find them their next home, I, I think we're on a winner. Now, I, but I think now as estate agents, it's let's get the deal, let's get the deal, let's get it to exchange, you know. You've been in agency. Well, as soon as you get a sale agreed, you're on the phone to the buyers and sellers almost every day for 19 weeks. And then all of a sudden, as soon as it exchanges, whoa, hold on a second, the number's left me mobile phone and I don't <laughs> never talk to them. Did you know only 12% of 12% of buyers go, and go back to their original agent wow. to sell their house? Why do you think that? Do you think because the, they didn't keep the relationship after the deal been done or because they didn't leave a good enough impression while they were buying that property through First the agent. one. Yeah. So they I genuinely think most agents are good at their job. It's just that because we are all in it for the money and the money and the money and the money, yeah. as soon as that transaction's gone. Why do, you, why do you then think, though, it's okay, I don't speak to my dentist. Bloody, he doesn't call me every, every week. He doesn't keep in contact. He doesn't send me a birthday card. He just tells me when my next reminder is of, of to go and, you know, go and get my teeth checked. Is that, is that all that you need to do? Well, if, I think it's a slightly different relationship because with a dentist, it's a service that you need more regularly. Uh, when it comes to buying and selling houses, I think what we've got to be careful of is, is that per, the average length of time that someone's in a house at the moment in the UK is about every 18 years. So you think to yourself, well, if that neg's not that neg's not going to be in that business for three years, let alone eighteen years. Yeah. So what's the point of them being in contact? But there's something really weird happens. Isn't it weird in this country that we will spend thousands and thousands of pounds on the say so of a complete stranger? Yes, it is. Tripadvisor. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I, you know, if you're down the pub and someone says, "I need someone to." To, to service my car, mm. who do you use? You might say, you want to go and see Jim, he's a good lad. Now, does your mate say, do you know Jim? Does he service your car and does he have the qualifications? No, Jim's probably you play footy with him on a Wednesday night, <laughs> but trust is transferable. Yeah. And if, if my mate Nathan says Jim's a good lad, it's good he's enough good for lad. me. Yeah. And I think what I'm trying to, the point I'm trying to get across is this, is if you, you, you've built up such a great relationship with a buyer, mm -hmm. even if that person decides to stay there for 20 years, if you can keep in contact with them, not trying to sell them anything because you've got nothing to sell them, but actually go with an attitude of giving, yeah. giving uh, great info about what's happening in the property market, giving info about what stuff's selling for, you know damn well they're not going to sell, but when, the, when they're at the local Rotary Club or the local Masonic Club and all having a dinner party and they, the subject of property comes up, which it always we, does. Yeah, it does. And you're in, you know, you want to say, do you know that Dave bloke, that Nathan bloke that sold my house two years ago, he's a good lad. Yeah. 
And he's only a good lad because you've been, you sold the house, they moved into their dream home, and now you've just been giving them great info. You know, the American, okay, the Americans go over the top, they send birthday cards. Okay, that's a bit over the top. Is it though? Okay. Is it? I mean, if you're a business owner here in the UK and you own an estate agent and you're on the high street at the moment or you're in a hybrid model and these are your clients, right, and you're not starting this business just for one or two years, you're starting this business for life, would you not say that actually that's good relationship building? Okay. There's different ways. I mean, sending birthday cards, sending a tray of cupcakes is a bit, are probably a little bit too much. But if you think about it, we estate agents and letting agents are the gatekeepers to the second most interesting topic in the world to the mm. Brits after the weather, and that's the property market. Yeah. Yet all we do is talk about ourselves and our market share and how big our willies are yeah. with our market share. You know, people talk... People talk about being the attraction agent. If you look at the dictionary definition of the word attraction or attractive, words like interesting, intriguing, educational come up. So why don't we talk about the property market to local people? Mm -hmm. Think about it. Would you, which, which do you think is the most successful or well thought of agency in the UK? Give me some names. Honestly, yes, up there. Who would you? What do you? If we had to go back to employ business, because no one would employ us to. Yeah. And okay, and let's. Okay. I'd go back. To, I'd go back to the Foxtons. Okay, Foxtons. Yeah. Yeah. I'd go back to Savills. Now, isn't it? Isn't this interesting? So Savills, I've just, you know, I don't know when this podcast comes out, but we're recording this in um, early, early mid January. Have just released results where they've had an absolutely cracking time. And if you compare their share price compared to all the other estate agents, yeah. every other agency has been doing the dive, dive, dive. They've had a bit of a wobble, but basically they're doing really well. Why does Savills spend millions of pounds on a research department, but hardly anything on marketing? Their research department, set up by Lucian Cook about 20, 25 years ago, creates content about the property market. They then give it to the Times and the Telegraph and the Standard, and the Standard need to fill column inches, so there's a full page talking about the property market because everybody's interested in the property market, and it's come from the Savills guy. What do you think people reading that who are interested in will think of Savills? Amazing, yeah. All we have to do is just copy what Savills do. Talk about the property market and you'll be interesting. It's funny because when you go out for a meal, like being, you know, when I was, you know, being an agent, when I was an agent, whenever it might be, you go out for a meal with your wife, your friends, and you always listen to the next, you know, the table next to you and their What's conversation it? is always about, my daughter's buying a flat, we're renting a flat, or yeah. whatever it might be. People are always talking about the property, the market. Of course they are. So you're right. What's the best way then, do you think, at this moment in time of delivering those sorts of messages? Is it through social media? Is it through okay. leaflets? Cost and time. Cost and time is, is, is the big one. Now, um, let's be frank, everybody's attention and eyeballs is on their mobile phones, okay? Um, printed media has its place and it is absolutely fantastic, but unfortunately it costs money. And, you know, if you roll the clock back 20 years, if you wanted to get your message out to thousands and thousands of people, the gatekeeper were the newspapers yeah. and that would cost you a lot of money and also printing was quite expensive. Now. We have got a mobile phone, which is almost free to, you know, you can speak to thousands of people for absolutely nothing on social media. But the, 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 the gatekeeper or the, what makes them, getting your message to them is easy. The difficult bit now is actually what message are you going to say? Yeah. And again, most agents are interested in trying to sell somebody something yeah. when you don't like to be sold to, do you? No. But, but I bet you like to buy. Absolutely, we yeah. do like to buy. Okay, so 
the message you've got to get across is, um, I, I always ask when people are creating content, you might, your, your viewers or your listeners might have heard of a phrase called content marketing. Mm -hmm. And content marketing is the creation of content which is educational and intriguing to people, your potential clients, so they become attracted to you. Yeah. And something really weird happens in the human brain. When you're actually interested in something, you begin to trust them. People you look up to in this world, famous people, you put on a pedestal, yeah. yet you've never met them. True. And what you have to do is, is you need to become almost a local celebrity in your town's property market mm -hmm. by talking about the property market. Okay, so let's do social media. Who's the content for and where you go and why you're doing it? The content is for all local homeowners and buyers. Think about it. Give me an area of London that isn't prime. That isn't prime. Uh, Wembley. How many Wembley homeowners live in Wembley? How many owner-occupiers? Couldn't tell you. It's a trick question. <laughs> How many owner-occupiers, your estate agency customers, mm. live in Wembley? 100%. Think about it. Of course. They because live. They, they all live there. Because they, all your customers. Of course yeah. they live there. Okay. okay. I know it was deliberately a question. I wasn't trying to I would yeah, go yeah. to you or play with your feelings. <laughs> okay. Landlords. If you took all of the Wembley landlords and put them in a room, mm -hmm. what percentage of Wembley landlords would actually live in the Wembley area? 100%. Probably not. not. <laughs> yeah. Pro 85? I would, pro uh, I would say probably 50 to 70%. Okay. I'm not talking prime here. No. Prime is a different kettle of fish. But it'd be fair to say people, when it comes to landlords, buy what they know. Yeah. So I would first definitely say that someone in Chelsea is more likely to buy something in Fulham mm -hmm. or close by. Uh, someone in Wembley might buy something in Harrow or vice versa. Okay. People buy what they know. Mm -hmm. So 100% of your homeowners live in your town and 50 to 70% of your landlords also live yeah. in your town. Yeah. Would it be fair to say that every homeowner and every landlord is interested in the property market? Yes. Would it be fair to say that most people are on Facebook? Yeah. Even the oldies? Even the oldies. Because most landlords, most homeowners are tend to be 35 upwards, <laughs> yeah. and landlords probably 45 upwards, yep. yeah? If there was only a, also a social media platform for business people, it would be great, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Have you come across a social media platform for business people? We could call it LinkedIn. LinkedIn. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. So what we find is, because I've got over 100 clients, is uh, uh, letting and estate agencies, the two most powerful platforms to get your message out is LinkedIn and Facebook, mm -hmm. okay? There are other platforms out there, but those are the two. Now, the brilliant thing about um, Facebook is a number of things. Number one, if there was a Wembley Facebook group for people living in Wembley, what percentage do you think the vast majority of those people are probably living in Wembley? Yeah. Okay. And if there was an Islington Facebook group? Same. Yeah. So my advice to you is you don't have to spend a penny doing this. Yeah. You don't have to boost it. You no. can. Is you as a person, not as a company, mm -hmm. join the Wembley Facebook group mm -hmm. and create content which doesn't try and sell your services, but just, but just talks about the property market, what's happening to prices, what's happening to rents, how long's property taking to sell. Yeah. And just chuck stuff, not, hi, I've got this property, come and use me. No. Not, hi, I'm Chris Watkin, estate agents, we're brilliant, come and use us. Mm -hmm. But... Property prices in Wembley have gone up by 26% in the last five years compared to Harrow, where they've only gone up by 22%.
Would you write a lot of content? You're a ghost, ghostwriter, right? That's how I earn my money. Yeah. You would, would you write content for agents? So if there's any business owners out there at the moment thinking, look, I'd love to have some of this content. I'd love you to be able to write the content for me. Is that what you would yeah, it's a Yeah, it's do? a service I offer, right? But, but you don't need me to do it. Um, I mean, if anyone wants to email me, my email address is Christopher at Christopher Watkin, no S on the end, .co.uk. And, uh, and if you put in the subject title 20 stories, I'll send you 20 templates of 20 articles you can write. But you don't even need to do that. Um, I, on my YouTube channel, I have a playlist called How to Do Video in a State Agency. Mm -hmm. and I'm sure we'll want to talk about whether it's video, written word, or audio in a minute. But I actually show you how to do a local property market report just using the public data on Rightmove. Nice. I can, I can show someone how to do it. You write it out, and if you go, if you do it on video, you just take your mobile phone, your tripod, and you just stick it out. Yeah. Stick it on, on, your, on, the, on the village green and talk. Or if you're doing the podcast, you could literally put it up on the screen and put your mobile phone and go on to, to your voice memo, or if you really posh, go to your anchor yeah. um, um, podcast app, press record, talk about it for two minutes, press two more buttons and it'll send it everywhere. Yeah. It's so simple. I think join, I think the groups are a really good one. And again, because there's loads of like local, lo there's loads of local groups, like for, even for safety, mm. like, you know, there's loads of groups yeah. you can jump and, into. And the art, here's a little tip for you, is this, because you might get kicked out of the group, is send personal connect, go to the member section and just go connect, 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 connect. <laughs> so if you do get ever checked out, yeah. they'll still be connected up with you. Yeah, good. Nice little trick. Like that. Be careful if you're a man. Don't send it to don't send it to <laughs> women because they think you're trying to pull. But, but <laughs> as long as your intentions are good, hey. Well, there you go. But but most landlords um most landlords tend to be male anyway. Yeah. Uh, but if you're going for homeowners, buyers and sellers, um, then the female pop demographic as well. But you know, join Facebook groups on the school. Let's talk about the trends of agency at the moment. So we all know the high street. We know the high street, we know there's the hybrid model, the online model, and then we know that there's this new model of sort of like the agent and homes, a Keller Williams sort of model. Tell me about how, why do you think that these, the times have changed and what you maybe you think is working at the moment? Okay, so high street agent, fixed location, that's, that's taken as red. Um, again, you've got the, I think there's a difference between online and hybrid. Mm -hmm. um, I would say a hybrid is where you're still based geographically in the area, but probably not in a high street location, in a WeWork or something like that. Okay. So like a purple bricks or, okay, or yeah. maybe... Purple bricks I would call hybrid. hybrid. Yeah, Yopa as well. Yeah, yeah, okay. And online, I think, you know, there's a grey area, but you know, your, your likes of your express agency, Springbok. Doorsteps, etc. Yeah, those sort of things. Um, I think there's a grey area between online and hybrid. I, it's interesting that I think there's a lot of vitriolic nastiness between the, especially from high street to online. Yeah. Now the Keller Williams model, they they tend to be hub-based models, mm -hmm. but they but I think it's a slight that's a slightly different question. It's the way the agents are employed and paid. Yeah. I am a huge fan. Do you want to go on? Should we take that down that rabbit yeah, hole? Yeah. Why not? The employed versus self-employed agency is something which is very close to my heart. Yeah. I think most of the state agents out there are quite lonely, mm -hmm. uh, quite sad, and not enjoying their job. Yeah. Interestingly, Peter Knight, who's part of the Property Academy, has been, uh, did a survey every year called the Home Movers Survey. And it's been going now for about 15, 16 years now. And he's been tracking what average fees have been doing. Now, everyone's been sagging off purple bricks for, for a reduction in fees. Yeah. The, the slip of average fees was happening years before, before purple that. bricks. Agreed. 
And the problem is, is that the, the, is the downward stroke in fees, because the biggest uh, cost in a state agency is, is staff, yeah. after, as well as rent, rent and rates, yeah. is there's less money in the pot to pay the people, which means more, more agents are leaving the industry because they're not enjoying yeah. it because they're not being paid as much. Yeah. So, but, so the question is, why, why are fees been only a downward direction? Yeah. That's the killer one. Mm -hmm. And I think basically agents are absolutely crap, if you don't mind me using this. 100%. Okay. Absolutely crap at improving themselves. Yeah. You know, it takes seven years to be a doctor mm -hmm. and then you're called a junior doctor. Yeah. It, you know, it takes seven years for, uh, to be an architect and then you're a junior. And to be an estate agent, you just need a sharp suit, a mobile phone, yeah. slick back hair. <laughs> And a clipboard, <laughs> and, and a laser measure, and off you go, son. Yeah. And isn't it fascinating that we don't train ourselves? You know, this is this is a. I was talking to a. This is interesting. Is we put the Australian estate agents on a pedestal, don't mm -hmm. we? I don't know. I, I, yeah. I, I, for me, no. Okay. But. Okay. They are thought of. If you say you're a real estate agent, you are thought of really well. Yeah. Okay. Estate agents here, thought of scum of the earth. Sure. And in Australia, yeah, it's true. <laughs> okay. Well, each year there's this big conference called ARIC. It's uh, late spring, early summer. And the tickets cost seven, eight hundred pounds, pounds each. Mm -hmm. And the vast majority of the people in there are valuers and managers, are negs. Yeah. And the vast majority of them have paid for it out of their own pocket. Wow. Yet I heard of an extremely good trainer and his negs contacted this trainer and said, we really want to get this guy in, okay? So the, get, the negs gave the boss the number and the boss rang up the, the trainer and the trainer said, I won't mention the name of the agent, mm -hmm. uh, the, the trainer or the agent, and said, my negs have told me you're really good and you're going to help us. And I don't know why this particular trainer said this, but he said, okay then, I'm more than happy to work with you and I'll guarantee you I can grow your business by 50% in a couple of years. Got to admit, and it was a damn good agency anyway. Guarantee it. All offer your mum and the money back. Yeah. So that's not bad, is it? No, put your money where your mouth is. Okay. Yet, the deal is this. Half of my fee has to be paid for by the next. All right? Mm -hmm. I think this fee was like two and a half grand. So 1250 had to be paid for, I think they worked out there's 10 of them in the office. Okay, so basically, nearest damn it, 125 quid. Yeah. Okay. So he went back to the next managers and said, right, you know this guy you want, uh, you can come in, we, he guarantees to double, uh, increase by 50% or it's money back. Yeah. Um, you all said you want him, but the, and basically, but the deal, is, and you will, you will all earn shed loads more commission, but the deal is you're going to have to pay for half of it between you, so that's 125 quid. Mm -hmm. How many of the 125, how many mm. of the 10? None. None. Yeah. And, I, and I tell you what, what is it with, what is it? I don't know what it is, but we kind of have this entitlement attitude that, you know, okay, when you're, a, when you're not an adult, you expect to be educated. Mm -hmm. But as soon as you get to 18, I'm sorry, it's it's not it's not your parents' responsibility and it's not your boss's responsibility to improve you That's and right. your lot. Mm -hmm. But it's kind of a 
begging bowl mentality of or entitlement saying, you owe it to me. No, you're a no. big girl, yeah. you're a big boy, put your big girl plants on, yeah. get out there and do some bloody hard work. Yeah, that's it. There are, people are afraid of hard work and I see a lot of agents on the high street. You walk up the high street now and they're all in their mobile phones. They're not being proactive. They're not doing what, they, what I think they should be doing. No one wants to self-improve do themselves. You think that's been, do you think that is millennials? Do you think it's the way they've been brought up? Because I tell you what, there are some damn good millennials no. out there. Yeah, there are. I, I think a lot of people are just looking for that instant gratification. People seem to think because we live in a world of technology where everything's so instant, they expect instant results. I mean, and in the property industry, it doesn't work like that. I mean, okay, you're involved in the gym industry. Um, if someone came to you, and I bet you get a nice flurry after Christmas, came to the gym twice in January, and then never came again, and then in, in July, mm -hmm. complained that they hadn't lost weight and had a beach-ready body, yeah. what would you say to them? Well, you weren't committed, you're not consistent, you didn't, maybe didn't invest in yourself enough. And I think, I think anything worth having in this world, unless you, unless you can win the lottery, mm -hmm. nothing comes about in this world unless you put bloody hard work in. Yeah. And I think we as human beings do want the shortcut, of course we do. But unless you're winning the lottery, there is no shortcuts in this life. There's not. And I think the two variables to success, the first one has got to be hard work. Yeah. But there's one thing I've learned which is just as equal as, it, as hard work. What's that? Patience. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, I see, I see 25-year-olds who have been, been negging for two, two years now. I'm sorry, mate. I'm sorry, put the fucking hard work in, yeah. put your head down, do the hard work. Mm. You know, I'm 48, I still feel like a 21 year old. Put the hard work in, you know, don't, and the longer you can put the hard work in and, and don't have that entitlement and just get on there and actually realise that hard work and patience is the main thing, that the bigger you will win in the future. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know, I might be talking rubbish. No, it's true. Look, there are so many people, they're not patient, are they? Because they do want everything now, 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 now. And like you said, they've got their, their hat out saying, please give it to me. Have you heard of the marshmallow test? No. Right, okay. This, this test has been repeated all over the world for, for 20, 30 years. And what they do is they, 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 they have a two or three-year-old child in a room and the person walks in and, and says, here is a marshmallow. I'm going to leave the room if in five minutes' time I come back and there is that marshmallow is still there, I will give you two marshmallows and you can eat both. Yeah. All right? So that's the ultimate patience thing, yeah? yeah? And they do this test and the vast majority of young children eat the marshmallow. Mm -hmm. But there are some who wait and, and when the other one comes, they have the two. Yeah. They then revisited those people that had the two marshmallows mm in the future, you know, 20 years later, yeah. and also the kids. And the really successful people were the ones that, were, that waited. Oh, really? The ones that were patient? Yeah. Because as a two or three-year-old, they were already conditioned to be paid. They were... Yeah, of course. They were thinking the long term. Do you think you can learn patience? I think... Turn yeah, it around. You know I think you can. I, th I genuinely think you can. I've learned to be more patient. Because I've realised you learn to be more patient from learning mistakes, from you know rushing stuff, getting it wrong, and then thinking, whoa, 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 take a step back. Why? If you look at what went wrong, you can then understand. 
So you have self-awareness. Do mm. you think most people have that self-awareness? No. So how do you get self-awareness? Can it be taught? Learning mistakes, literally like just learning from, making mistakes, learning from it and embracing mistakes to happen. So do you know one thing that I've learned is humans are not very good at being accountable. Because if you can be in a, I, I, I found that's the weak link, mm -hmm. being accountable to some to, to something. Yeah. But we're not, you know, you know when you're at the cake shop, you should I have that extra slice, you know, that sort of thing. But if you, but if you're accountable to somebody else, especially someone that you look up to, it, it does actually change. I've lost two and a half stone in a year. Congratulations. Okay, and I'm and I'm thank you, and I've got plenty more to go, but but I've got it because I've employed. A nutritionist. Yeah. Now I'm fasting two days a week, and I actually quite enjoy it. Weirdly, <laughs> weirdly, I don't know. But let's just say, for argument's sake, I'm thinking. You know, I might go to the pub and I've got my favourite beer, but they haven't got it. In the past, I've said, "Sod it, I'll just have some." No, have some water. Nice. Okay. And in business, in a, in an accountability. My advice to, to people would be is you don't actually have to employ a coach. Why don't you just get three or four people that you look up to in this world, yeah. um, but ring them up and say, I love you to bits. I, what I'd like to do is meet you every two, uh, every three or four weeks. Yeah. I, don't, I just want half an hour of your time to have a cup of coffee to tell me where I am in the business. Yeah. I don't want any money, just your time and your, your ear and your opinion. And we, uh, we have half an hour for a cup of coffee. And at the end, we agree some bullet points of which in, I meet you in three or four weeks' time, I will, I will say what I'll do, what I'll do. Now, if you look up to this person, you say you're going to do three things, are you going to fail and not do it? No, you will do it. Of course you, you will, because you look up to them. Yeah, absolutely. You don't need to spend thousands of pounds on a coach. No. All you have to do is just say your piece, yeah. say it to the person, write it down, and then meet them. And, say, and what you'll end up doing is, is that all of a sudden, now what that'll do is that'll become a habit, yeah. and something really weird happens when, when it becomes habit forming, you'll actually end up doing it anyway. Yeah. It's, but, it's good, great, you know, creating good habits for yourself. That's what it's about, no? Creating good habits. And that's the same in, in work, in agency, no? Just creating good habits. Well, it's going with the gym, anything, isn't it? It really is. I mean, this is really weird. We had Christmas off, and we were craving to get back to vegetables. <laughs> I mean, look. <laughs> Got beards and everything now. What's next for you? So, uh, people that don't know, how, what was your uh, claim to fame? Uh, my claim to fame is I was on the TV advert with Halifax from the advert. <laughs> Halifax, the, the, the black guy with the big glasses, I was on the TV advert with Howard because I used to work for the Halifax. How did that role come about? Um, every year, the Halifax used to put a message out saying, who wants to be in the next TV advert? And it's all staff. <laughs> yeah, I and and I, I, my audition was uh, singing... Um, singing in a hotel room, uh, the song went, sexy, everything about you so sexy. <laughs> and I, I had to do that in front of a video camera. Yeah. Uh, I can't remember what that song was. It was one of the first X Factor songs. Anyway, never mind. Uh, and, I, and I got through that, and then I got through to the final, where we went down to Pineapple Studios in, is it Covent Garden or somewhere around yeah, there? Yeah, it is around there. Yeah, and we went to Pineapple Studios for three days, where we, where we were auditioning for the Halifax advert. Wow. And that was the one in 2001, which was where they all went out to India and it was a Bollywood theme. Now, where they basically had five boys and five, we didn't know this at the time, five boys and five girls. Um, now, I'm not boy band material. <laughs> so I didn't get that. 
But I got the call for the next one. Nice. And they said, we want you to go. And the thing is, they only gave me 10 days notice. Oh, my God. I want you to be on a plane in New Zealand. And I said, well, I've just booked a... I'd literally just booked a holiday to go to Australia in two weeks' time because I was waiting for the wife with some results and they were all okay. So I said, well, if you want me to go to New Zealand, you're going to have to pay for my wife to come along. And from that... We got a holiday to New Zealand. No way, amazing. Was it was it paid for the work? Did they pay the work? Two months worth tax free wages. Amazing. That's decent, isn't it? And I was on it for one second. <laughs> Did anyone ever notice that you're on it at the time? It was in the paper, but you honestly you blink and you miss. <laughs> okay. So with everyone, there's some people that have asked some questions and there's agency related questions. Go for it. Um, what model of agency do you think is working best and will continue to grow in twenty twenty? Okay, so I know we touched on that earlier on. Yeah. Um, to be honest with you, I think the model is totally irrelevant. It's your attitude as an agent, mm-hmm. whether you want the business, whether you want to help people, and whether you have an employed or employed, self-employed model, whether you're online or high street, it's totally irrelevant. Yeah, I think you've got to go with an attitude of what can I do to help someone, not what can I get out of it. If you have that attitude, you'll win. Yeah, I like that. In terms of the models, I mean, do you, do you see one growing? Like in terms I've of I've gone like, on record to say that self-employed estate agent, 30% of estate agents in 10 years' time will be self-employed. My biggest fear is, is that because most estate, you know, a phrase, lister valuer, yeah. okay? Most of them are like prize stallions, okay? They are bloody good when they are racing down the track. Mm. Or the analogy of estate agents sitting on the sofa talking to the vendor. Yeah. But most great valuers have not generated their own free vows for probably two or three years yeah and my biggest fear with the self-employed agency role is you kill what you eat yeah. or you eat what you kill and most most valuers are just atrocious at business generation mm-hmm. do you know why they're bad at business generation and they've done it before no because huh. they're afraid afraid fear. of getting fear, yeah or getting knockbacks and fear of rejection most valuers are people people they're outward going people they like to the conversation which meet the downside is, is that they fear rejection. And when you go door knocking or business generating, no, 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 it's not their biggest fear. It's like letting agents, their biggest fear, because they're perfectionists and they love everything to be right, <laughs> is criticism. Whilst most estate agency bosses, they love to be in control. So their biggest fear is being taken advantage of by others. Funny, isn't it? Great to learn about the psychology of these estate agents. I really enter the psychology of all this. Do you love it? Yeah. Do you really... Do you, where do you do your do you do your research on a lot of agents? I mean, you interview loads, right? How how did that come about? That story. Let's go into What's that this? quickly. How did you come about interviewing agents? Okay, so um, about three years ago, um, well, what interviewing? Well, okay. Everybody, every most people fear video, mm-hmm. going on camera or public speaking. They absolutely fear it, and. I'd been putting it off for about 18 months. Every excuse, every BS excuse under the book, okay? Now, roll the clock back to November, December 2016. And I, my, my model is that I work for one agent in one location. But this big national agent came along and offered me stupid money. Like, for two days' work, nine grand. Well, but the deal was, is that I had to work in all of their 100 plus offices. And there was about 10 or 11, few more offices where was, there was a bit of a crossover. Mm-hmm. And I thought to myself, and being brutally honest, my clients didn't 
I've told my clients this, so they know this. So I'm happy to be, I mean, I'm being quite honest with you now, is I thought I could get away with it. I thought I could write a different story and I'd be all right. Until one of my clients rang me up, it was two months in, and said, you're working with that other agent, aren't you? I said, yeah, I am. And that really just, you know, and they said, you've broke my trust, you've broke our trust. Yeah. Anyway, I said, sorry. Mm-hmm. I, I, in, in fact, I'd already said, I'd already cancelled. I didn't enjoy working for them anyway. So whether this is a godsend, I'd already cancelled. I'd said, uh, look, I know this is easy money, but I just don't, this doesn't feel right. I'd already cancelled it, but that's not the point yeah. my client had found out. Mm-hmm. So I, what I ended up doing is on the 23rd of December 2016 is I went down to my office, which is a, a shed in my back garden, and I rang every single one of my clients who it affected. No one else had seen it, but they appreciated the honesty that I'd effed up. Yeah. I fell on my sword and I apologised to them. I said, look, you might have noticed. No one had noticed, but they appreciated the phone call. And that really shook me up. Mm. And what it did is I thought, and I don't know why, I just, after I'd done all the phone calls, I thought, self, I'm going to do a video. And my early videos were where I was, where I wore a red hat. And I did some videos and put them out online. And people started to watch them. Then, a few months later, Stephen Brown, who's a very good estate agency trainer, ex-Greens, um, oh, was in Grantham. Mm-hmm. And I got on like a house on fire with him. And I said, he's, so, I don't know what, it's my idea or his idea. Why don't we, and basically all I did is got a mobile phone on a little tiny little desktop tripods and we spoke for half an hour. People went mental over it. <laughs> they loved it. So I did one another one and I did another one. And now I've interviewed about 180, no, Eighty to hundred, probably. I don't know, somewhere around there. Yeah. People and done over one thousand one hundred videos in three years. Wow, that's it. And I don't charge going. anybody anything, anything for to doing them. Why do you want to deliver the content? What do you, what's why? What's the reason why to deliver that content? Because I'm practicing what I preach. I'm just suggesting estate and letting agents talk about the local property market yeah. to local people, not selling their services, mm-hmm. but actually talking about the property market so people attract attracted to it. The dictionary definition of content marketing is producing content which is of interest, educational, entertainment or intrigue to your potential clients so they're naturally attracted to you. Most people don't actually know how I earn my money. How do you earn your money? Ghostwriting articles about the town property market. When was the last time you saw me post about it though? Never. So how I earn my money is totally irrelevant to what I post. Mm-hmm. But what I do is I post stuff that's interesting and educational to estate and letting agents. Yeah. That's why I'm here, and thank you for inviting me here. But what I do, what that means is, is that I'm building up trust in, in agents' heads. Yeah. And what happens is, agents ring me up, and I, I get one of two phone calls. I don't know what you do, Chris, <laughs> but I know you help letting and estate agents grow, okay? <laughs> I, I want to give you some money, what yeah. do you do? And I mean, it, it is like yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> or the second thing that they do is they actually take the time and effort to look at the ghostwriting 
And I, if you go onto my website, I actually say, you need to prove to me that you're worth going to be my client. Nice. And they spend 15, 20 minutes, half an hour proving to me that they're worthy of my clients. That's nice. How do you get your guests for your podcasts and your, and your interviews? Do they come to you? Bit of both. I, again, an awful lot of... Pro- so I interview estate agents and, and letting agents and, prop- and suppliers. Yeah. Um, the supply world is a little incestuous, so you know who's good and who isn't. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going through all the interesting... Pe- I've, I've been through most of the interesting people already. There's a couple on my way, on the list. Um, there's a couple of people that wait to be asked... Yeah. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. I don't is, that, is that their egos? I don't know. Is that their Lesson. egos? <laughs> uh, so, so there's that. Yeah. Uh, I get an awful lot of prop tech firms and suppliers ringing up saying, Chris, I love you to bits. Can I be on your pop? Yeah. No, mate. <laughs> no. Okay. And what I always say is, I mean, it costs me quite a few hundred pounds in editing and, and because I use two cameras and yes, I use professional sound uh, to do an interview. Uh, I insist they come up to Grantham and I say to them, You've got to come up with something which doesn't talk about your product for an hour. Yeah. And if you've got something that's interesting and educational to the industry, I'll talk to you. And if and I'll almost interview them over the phone. And if I'm not sure, I will then say to them, I want you to send me a 10-minute video of you discussing a topic in the industry to see if they're good enough. Wow. Okay. There's the audition. Okay. Do you know how many people have actually sent me an audition taping? No. None. <laughs> It's normally the sales manager of XYZ prop tech firm. But what I am moving across now more and more is talking to agents. Yeah. And talking about their stories, their fears, their frustrations, their hopes and their dreams. There's a lot of fear in agency at the moment, isn't there? Loads of fear. I think there's a lot of fear in, there's always been fear in everything. Why do you think agents are so fearful of everything? I think people are fearful of other people's judgment. Mm. We are social animals and we do require the judgment, the, the social acceptance of of our peers. That's why we are tribal animals. That's why we accept leaders, the tribal leader. Um, and, and I think, you know, people are fearful of posting online. B- video is the biggest one, but even yeah. words, because isn't it interesting that we ignore our better halves, the nearest and dearest, the people that we should actually take notice of, yeah. yet, yet we post something online and Sally 27 or Bob 26, who we've never met, friend of a friend makes a derogatory comment so it stops us posting other stuff. It's crazy, isn't it? Isn't that crazy? Why are we so fearful of ourselves? Why can't we just be ourselves and be true to it and just not give a shit what people think? And I guarantee that people will just like you for who you are because also people are so fake for so long, it's so hard to keep up. You can't fake it till you make it. And if you're doing video, which let's be honest, is the most powerful medium around, is don't try and be someone else because some swine will catch you out. They will. Just be yourself. Do you believe video is one of the most powerful things? Well, think of, there's only three ways that you can communicate with a human being, unless you are a wife, and the fourth is ESP, because they know what you're thinking. <laughs> and that's the written word, yep. audio, and visual. Written word is reading, obviously. Audio is the podcast or the telephone. And visual is face-to-face or video. Yep. Interestingly, the human brain cannot distinguish between... Read, uh, what, uh, isn't it interesting... Sorry, the human brain cannot distinguish between meeting someone or watching them on video online. The amount of people that come to me, and I'm sure you get it, I feel like I already know you. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah, I get that a lot. Yeah, and, and that's because the brain don't know the difference between a screen and, a, and seeing it here. It's a good shout. So, by, by chucking stuff out on video, 
it's 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 a lot more consumable and people mm. will like it. The the problem is is that what the hell are you going to talk about that doesn't make you a twat? <laughs> That's so true. Guys, today we've had Christopher Watkin. Thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure. Today we've been sponsored by a mystery mystery sponsor. Uh, go visit www.estates-agents.net to help yourself to help you save thousands. Thank you, Nathan, for having me on the podcast. It's nice to be on this side of the sofa. <laughs> Thanks Thank a lot. you guys for listening. Take care. Have a lovely day. Bye. <laughs>